This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. Hey folks, welcome back. You're in the workplace. I'm Peter Capelli. And I'm Connor Joyce. Connor is with us today. Dan O'Mara is at the spa having, what's it called again? He's having the full body fish pedicure. This is where the you lie down in the tank and the fish eats the dead skin off your entire body. Something else to look forward to. So speaking of looking forward to, we're going to talk now about meetings, which has got to be uh, one of the top most irritating things that many people have about work. So we want to think about what makes meetings so irritating uh but kind of tell me what you think do you got a list of things that or or a favorite story about meetings that uh, suggest why we might hate them so much i do i have one uh, if i uh, if i were to put the most awkward meeting i've ever been in would be uh it was a conference call okay. and somebody decided to take a separate call and it was uh, an accidental uh, didn't mute themselves. So oh. It seemed like a very serious call. Uh, they were talking about why someone was fired. And Ooh. and so then they started to say people's names. And so everybody on the call, we just pushed forward with the meeting until someone was like, I- I'm pretty sure what we're hearing here we shouldn't hear. And so then we had to take a break and try to contact the person. But now they're on two calls, so they're even harder to find. Oh, so, so. that they had thought they had moted phone, muted phone one, but they mm-hmm. had actually not muted phone one, and they were trying to carry on a separate a conversation. A whole separate conversation. So here's mine on that, uh, and it's very similar, actually. I was doing a conference call presentation, and there were supposed to be about 20 people supposed to be listening in. Well, you could imagine that a lot of people in that context, particularly listening to moi, uh, were hoping they could do something else while they were doing this call, <laughs> right? So uh, this uh, in this particular uh, setting, suddenly we started to hear piano music. Mm. And uh, here's apparently what happened. The person was on the call and... Uh, and perhaps did not mute it, and then they put their phone down and they took off to go do something else. And their child apparently came into the room for piano practice, right? (laughs) And the child was practicing piano for the rest of the conference call, and it was drowning out the call. And, of course, we couldn't reach out to the person because nobody knew who it was, right? Uh, because there are 20 people on the call, and the organizers were yelling, could you please stop this? But, of course, the person wasn't even there. That was part of the problem. They couldn't <laughs> figure out how it was. And so this went on for about a half hour, me trying to talk over the piano practice, which, of course, wasn't very good either, right? It's poor practice, right? So we're going to talk about meetings now, and with us to talk about this is uh, Stephen Ruggleberg, who is professor of management at the University of North Carolina, and he's written a new book about this, which I think is coming out right now, called The Surprising Science of Meetings, coming out from Oxford University Press. So, uh, Steve, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. And let me ask you the question, which we ask pretty much everybody in this context. Why did you decide to write a book about meetings? Uh, everybody hates it, right? So <laughs> what, <laughs> what what made you write about something that everybody hates? Well, um, that's actually the, the reason. Um, you know, as an organizational scientist, uh, we try to do research that matters. And when you have a workplace activity like meetings that's causing so much misery, yeah. it's a perfect target for study. Okay. Yep. Uh, let's talk a little bit about why 
people hate them. One of the things in your uh, book, which I thought was pretty interesting, was uh, the finding that people who organize meetings think the meetings are pretty terrific, uh, whereas people who were not organizing the meeting, but I guess in the same meeting, think they're pretty much a dud. Uh, it's probably not a big surprise, right? But it does suggest that there's a certain amount of narcissism associated sometimes with having these meetings. frustrated by meetings, um, and we definitely have found this uh, leader, meeting leader blind spot, yeah. um, where, as you said, the leader is the one who tends to be most satisfied with the meeting. Um, interestingly, when a survey was done of senior managers, over 70% said that meetings were unproductive. Oh. And I find this really fascinating because senior managers are the ones that call the most amount of meetings. Yeah, <laughs> right, so right. basically, it's just this epidemic of... It's not me, it's everyone else. Yeah, right. So uh, when I was a, a department chair many years ago, I uh, I sort of, I think I recognized this problem, and I, I tried to issue a dictate, basically, saying uh, we're not going to have as many meetings, right, because not much gets done in these meetings. Um, and there was enormous pushback to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of the problem, I think, was there are people who seem to really like meetings, right? Well, yeah. Um, so I would say, in general, um, a world without meetings is much more problematic than a world with meetings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, without meetings, um, consensus decision-making, cooperation, communication, coordination, all these things are compromised. Mm -hmm. um, you know, humans are inherently social creatures. Uh, we need to meet. Um, it's, it, we derive energy from meeting yep. with one another, and lots of great things can happen when we meet. Mm -hmm. So the elimination of meetings is a false goal. What we want to do is eliminate bad meetings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that can be done. Uh, so as opposed to say, hey, you know, we need to cut this out, well, instead, make it shorter. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. you know, figure out ways of really energizing that time. Uh, mm -hmm. Be more strategic with what's discussed. Um, have a no spectators rule, mm -hmm. or maybe invite people for a part of the meeting and other people for other parts of the meeting so okay. that the meeting is always lean. So maybe, uh, Steve, can I just cut you off for a second? Because those are great points. Uh, but before we, we get to what to do, could we talk for just a little bit about what's wrong? Sure. Uh, so what is it that people hate about meetings the most? And actually, let's give our listeners a chance to chime in on this, too. So if you've got a meeting you've just come out of at work that you particularly hated and you want to vent about it, here's your opportunity. Give us a call. It's 1-844-942-7866 or 1-844-WHARTON. And if you're listening on Thursday, we are live, so we'll get you in and hear your story. Um, let me ask Connor, what do you, what do you hate most about meetings or what do you think makes a meeting awful i'll tell you my sense in just a second yeah it, it's got to be when you have somebody not muting themselves or <laughs> yeah, or right. it's got to be when <laughs> when you just all of the 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 fault and i guess it's more meetings i'm used to ones over the phone oh but yeah it's just all yeah. Of those technology problems that you have that right. that would result in so you were, uh, Connor was a prior in prior life a consultant, so you're spending all your time doing that. And Steve, you're going to talk about that uh, in just a minute. Let me just tell you what mine is, and that is when it appears there's no goal, mm. right? So we're having this meeting, and it's not clear what we are trying to do as a result of this meeting. You know, sort of no agenda, but, but we're talking, but we're not moving toward anything. Steve, what's on your short list of things that make meetings really bad? attending a meeting that you don't really need to be at. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
a meeting where a leader has called the meeting basically just to feature themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're doing all the talking. They're doing the dominating. They're not facilitating any type of experience. Um, so we have irrelevant meetings, irrelevant attendees, and a leader who is just shirking the responsibilities right. by choosing to kind of take over. Yeah. Why do you think uh, that people overbook meetings? That is, they want people to come to meetings who don't need to be there. What's what's driving that, you think? So there's two forces. One is benign, um, and one is, I think, well-spirited. The well-spirited one is I think that we often over-invite people because we want to be inclusive. Okay. Uh, yep. We don't want mm-hmm. to leave people um, out of the mix, um, right. so we err on the side of inclusion, and that's certainly benign. Um, but then, you know, the other reason is a technological one. It's just been, it's become so easy yeah. to hold someone else's calendar hostage. Ah, and so because of, have those because of Outlook together, or something? Is this because of Outlook or something? Is that how? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, okay. All it is is just a simple type in the first couple letters of the person's name, ah. and it's, it's highlighting them okay. for the CC. Yeah, or... so maybe you come back and tell us how to how to avoid that, I guess. So so some of it is, uh, let's be inclusive, let's bring people there. Um, you know, the one that I find puzzling is is these meetings where the point of the meeting is to pass on information to you, which you could have done in a memo, but I see that happening over and over and over, right? We seem to be doing that a lot, too, right? Uh, so, okay, we got leaders that are basically just showing off. We've got people who are not, uh, or at least a context where people are not engaged in the conversation. Um, and we've got people who shouldn't be there in meetings. What else would you say is on your list of things that are going to make for a really bad meeting? Well, then you have, you know, issues with um, attendees not being very considerate of one another, um, posturing yeah. their hidden agendas. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have, we have some of that baggage. Mm-hmm. But we keep going back to the leader, right? Because the leader can nip that, those issues um, away if they truly embrace their role as, of a facilitator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's uh, talk for a little bit here about how you might do that, because this is, I guess, the punchline. Uh, but remind people as well, if you would like to tell us about a meeting you've just come out of or one you've been in recently was particularly frustrating, give us a call. And if you'd like Steve to give you advice on this, this would be even better. Here's our number again, one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So Let's think about a, uh, your short list here, Stephen, of advice in terms of what you, if you are a leader or you're somebody who could influence uh, a meeting, what are some of the things that you could do? Well, definitely the most important one would be to log on to Amazon immediately and buy my book. Sure. Um, but right. if you chose, um, if you, you want to skip that step, I would say there's a variety of really important things to do. So first of all, you need the, the leader to... Um, really embody the notion that they're a steward of others' time. Okay. When they have the mindset that they're a steward, they fundamentally think of meetings differently. Okay. They think carefully about who needs to be there. They think carefully about the agenda. Um, and then they embrace the role of a facilitator, not trying to dominate. Okay. Um, instead, try to bring out the best in this collective mm-hmm. experience. Right. So that I, mindset is critical. Yeah, can and I just you stop you on that, just to reinforce that point? So the point of a meeting ought to be the collective, mm-hmm. right? And so if you don't want anything from the collective, you shouldn't have a meeting. Yeah, that's a right? great way of saying it. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, okay, go ahead. That's okay, a big one. Um, so then once you have that mindset... 
then you're now going to make choices. And this is a really important point. So okay. much of meeting behavior is just recycled. In fact, one research study found that 50% of all agendas are recycled. Oh, um, uh-huh. Yeah, wow. it's pretty amazing. Mm. And, you know, as we talked about earlier in our call, um, you know, we have this meeting leader blind spot um, that seems to exist. We also know that only around 20% of leaders ever receive any training on how to run a meeting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all these forces together just brings us to kind of dial it in when it comes to a meeting. Okay. We just kind of keep repeating the dysfunctional practices mm-hmm. that we ourselves have experienced. Sorry, so that means, uh, to put that differently, we don't actually prepare for meetings well. We don't think through as a leader what we're actually going to do in this meeting. We just do what we did last time and sometimes on exactly the same questions and possibly because we didn't make progress in the last meeting. That's right. That's right. So I want what I, you know, I try to do in my book um, is to help leaders realize that there are a host of decisions and there are a variety of ways of answering, um, you know, choices in these decisions. Okay. So I want them to be thoughtful with regard to who needs to be there. Um, I want them to be thoughtful in, um, you know, what facilitation techniques to do. Um, There's a whole host of different things that we can really get them dialed into. Okay. Um, And I can take any one of those and kind of flesh them out if you'd like. Well, let's talk about the who should be there one. And and I like the example about the, from Amazon, their two-pizza rule. You want to tell us what that is? Yeah. So, you know, this this is just the idea that... um, you know, you don't want to have more people there than two pizzas would feed. And I think it, the better way of saying it is kind of what Steve Jobs would, would talk about is having a no spectators rule. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we're determining a meeting size, we really want to make sure that the core people need to be there and extra folks aren't. Yeah. And it's almost like when we're planning a wedding, right? We know who really needs to be there. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. once we kind of step into that secondary list, well, it starts to explode inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we want to really focus who are the key ones, but then those secondary people, we actually have to make contact with them. Okay. We actually have to reach out and let them know we're having this meeting, that they're not that, you know, that they're not central to the decision, but that you promise to share minutes and even um, invite them to provide input if they have it. Yeah. Because one of the things that's fascinating is that when someone's not invited to a meeting, even though they hate them, yeah. they want to go. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. They so felt true. excluded. So do you, what should you say to make that happen? Should you say, look, I don't think this is going to be a good use of your time, um, and I don't want to take up your time from your busy schedule to have you on. Should you say that? I mean, what do you, what do, you do to yeah, chill these people out? Okay. You have that conversation, but the, the key is that you do provide them with meeting minutes. Yeah, right? okay. So people should always have the option of attending future meetings. Okay. When you provide the minutes and give them that option, people will opt out but they won't feel excluded. Okay. Um, and then they're going to come back and just see you as an incredible leader, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you are giving them the gift of time, and there's nothing that people want more than time. Yeah, um, you should. That, that's what they should want. Uh, how about the idea of an agenda? It's astonishing to me how rarely I go to meetings that actually have an agenda. What does a good agenda look like? So I'm going to share with you what, Um, what I see is a really exciting innovation in agendas. Um, And that is, think about your agenda not as topics, but as questions to be answered. Okay. Well, as a meeting leader, you could say, okay, I'm having this meeting, and here are the key questions 
I want to make sure we cover. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a very powerful exercise. So first of all, if you frame it as questions, now it's much more clear who needs to be invited. Because ah, to answering those questions. Mm-hmm. You know when to end the meeting because the questions have been answered. Yeah. You know if the meeting is successful because the questions have been answered. Right. And if you can't generate questions, you know you don't need a meeting. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, what It seems to me a fine art in running meetings is when to shut people up, though, right? Uh, particularly because one of the great points you make is uh, we should try to keep these meetings short. And one of the great problems we have in many places, people like to talk and we just go on forever. So can you give us a little advice on how to move the meeting toward making decisions and finishing up? So if someone's running on, um, so first of all, you can thank them for their input. You can even jot something down on a piece of paper Mm -hmm. to kind of acknowledge that you've heard them. Um, You could say thank you and then ask for someone else's input. So there's those types of active facilitation techniques, but there's also things you can do to change the process that would avoid a problem like that. Okay. So for example, if let's say you're brainstorming about some type of issue, you can actually conduct that brainstorming before the meeting. Oh, okay, good idea. People could be asked to fill out a mm-hmm. short you know, Qualtrics survey and then yeah. report the findings. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have people use an app, um, like Klaxoon has something, where they can brainstorm using their phones and the results are thrown right on the screen. Again, that allows for more um, equal contribution. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in a meeting you could tell folks, hey, I want you to pair up and talk about this as pairs and then the pairs will report out. Mm -hmm. All these types of techniques Mm -hmm. allow for all voices to emerge and not just one. Yeah, and pairs up is a nice one too because it tends to condense down. Uh, so they're not going to say everything that happened in the discussion. Let's uh, ask you maybe, uh, as we're beginning to to wrap up here a little on our own meeting, uh, about remote meetings. As Connor was describing, these are increasingly common. Uh, so these are conference calls or video calls or things like those. How should we think about those? Any rules on how to make those more yeah. productive? So what's funny about remote meetings is that if I do some research and I ask people what's the most dysfunctional meeting type, they will say the remote meeting. Really, yeah. <laughs> I say to them, what meeting type do you most prefer? They will say the remote meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and this is for the reasons that you had noted in the intro where people multitask. Yeah. Um, but yeah. really, multitasking is often um, you know, the indicator that the meeting has not been designed effectively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with remote meetings, we need to do things very differently. Most importantly, that leader has to really, really be an awesome facilitator and kind of recognize their role as an air traffic controller. When at all possible, we want people to be video-based rather than audio-based. Okay, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. We need that leader to be calling people out by name. Okay. Um, We need that leader to to be insisting that everyone identifies themselves by name all the time. And so the leader is just constantly making sure there's input from all. Mm -hmm. Um, We need those meetings to be shorter, um, more you know, more tight, more compelling agenda questions. Um, So basically that whole package of remote meeting um, just has to be much more meaningful and cogent. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, you know, when I think about when I coach leaders around remote meetings, you know, I prefer them never to be more than 30 minutes. I want to make it so tight and compelling that no one has time to be, you know, 
checking their email or walking their dog or feeding their children. Terrific. And Steve, speaking of tight, we better get off the air now and let you go. Thanks very much for being with us. Steve Rogelberg has a new book out called The Surprising Science of Meetings, How You Can Lead Your Team to Peak Performance. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.